0: Look, there's really no other way for me to say it. You're missing out. If you're not playing this, you're missing out. It's the free contests on the NBC Sports Predictor app. They've already handed out over $3 million in cash prizes, and there are tens of thousands more up for grabs this and every week. So get in on the action right now with the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet.
1: For the biggest names in sports talk, watch the NBC Sports Channel every weekday on
2: Peacock. Featuring Pro Football Talk, The Dan Patrick Show, The Ritz Eisen Show, and more. Streaming live for free on PeacockTV.com slash NBC Sports.
0: Hello, I'm Peter King. Welcome to the MMQB Podcast with Peter King, where I take you inside the minds of the biggest influencers in the NFL. This week, I'm on my NFL training camp trip out west. I'm recording this in Seattle. And I'll give you two conversations from my trip so far. From Oakland, reigning NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Khalil Mack. And from my trip to Denver, a talk with rookie head coach, Vance Joseph. I asked Mack, why do you seem so unsatisfied with where you are as a player after three years?
1: And that's the goal, man. You always want to set goals for yourself to get better and strive. And when you fulfill them, then you can kind of lay back and be like, I did that. But at the same time, it's a mindset of, okay, I could do better than that.
0: Also this week, I asked Vance Joseph, how big a difference is it going from a defensive coordinator and, quite frankly, a position coach to being a head coach?
2: You know, in Miami, I can go out with the family and the wife and have a dinner and, you know, no one noticed. From time to time, someone would notice. But here in Denver, the Broncos are so huge that when I'm out with the family, you know, someone notices every time.
0: Now to my conversation with Defensive Player of the Year, Khalil Mack of the Oakland Raiders. Back on the MMQB podcast with Peter King. Uh, We're in Napa, California, uh, site of the Oakland Raiders training camp. And, you know, so if you look around, I'm here with Khalil Mack, the uh, NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Khalil, every time I come here, I look around here and look at the sky. The sky, there's no clouds here.
1: No clouds. This at all. is
0: not Buffalo. Not at all. This is not Fort Pierce, Florida. Not at all. This is this is a perfect <laughs> sky. This is a this is
1: unbelievable. So, what's it like to come here every year for the summer and to train in these circumstances? I mean, uh, when you think about being in Napa Valley, you would think uh, it came with just a wine and a good time. But uh, when we come here, it's, it's grind season for us. Uh, we got clear skies. We got great weather. But um, we're coming out here, we're coming out here to work hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, third year in the NFL,
0: 2016, you edge Von Miller Mm. for the Defensive Player of the Year. So, obviously, the year ended in kind of a disappointing way for you guys in the playoffs, okay? But I want to know what you thought when you heard that you were the defensive player
1: of the year in the NFL? Hey, man, it was a whole lot of thoughts that crossed my mind, man. But one of it was uh, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I couldn't believe it uh, for, the, for the most part when you think about, uh, about all the great players that you brought up. And, Lawrence uh, Taylor won that award. I know that, I mean, man. It's yeah. just thinking about all the players that have won in the past, too, um, and, and thinking that you uh, your franchise hasn't had a player that's won the, the award and 30-plus years up, and it's kind of of surreal. Do you believe that your game
0: right now, because when I I sort of look at your game, we were talking about it before we started, you had a sack last year, and you think it's against Buffalo. I just don't remember who it was, where you ran around the right tackle, and you slowed up almost to the point of stopping. Uh He stopped. And then you ran you sacked the quarterback. (laughs) And I said to myself, that is like a 10-year vet move. (laughs) And you're not really all that deeply experienced in football now. You're still a pup because you started kind of late. And then you go to Buffalo in the Mid-American Conference and then you come here. So I said to myself, where do you learn all the things that you learn and how have you learned them so fast?
1: I love watching film. I love watching great pass rushers. I love watching everybody that's done it before me and done it well. When you talk about just learning and getting experience and and being around guys like Justin Tuck and Antonio Smith and watching the way that they watch film and watching the fact that they just don't watch themselves, they watch everybody else. It was a a light switch that went off like wow, okay, well I can do that too and um, I've been doing it ever since and it's helped me. It's helped me a lot. Are you... uh
0: are you the type of person who, in the offseason, you might take on a project, you might be watching a specific player, or watching yourself and trying to improve? Or, tell me what your off season film work and tape work is like, if, if you do much. No
1: doubt. Uh, it's, it's, it's consistent for me, uh, just watching what I do, watching my tendencies, uh, and asking the offense, you know what I'm saying, different things about the way I line up, what did they see, and do they, do they see a tendency with me? I don't want to have any tendencies, first off. And you ask your tackles. I, ask, I Yeah. yeah. I ask my tackles, uh, Donald Penn and, and all the other guys, even the guards, just to see uh, if there's anything that I'm giving away for myself, uh, at least Smith, all the guys that I work against. Uh, and then, too, I look and turn on the film and see if it's true. Um Based on run, based on pass, based on based on running stunts if I'm lining up a different way. Just all the different things it, it, that'll help me uh, throughout the next season. You know what I'm saying? Khalil, uh,
0: I was with Von Miller the other day in Denver. No. And he said a lot of good things about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I found really interesting is he has this sort of pass rush day yeah, yeah, in yeah, California. Yeah, yeah. And, and I said to him, well, wait a second. You have all these guys around the NFL. They come to your pass rush summit, yeah, that you call it. For sure. All these guys come. I said, why do you want to help Khalil Mack? <laughs> He's trying to kill your team. Why, you're in the same division. Why are you helping a guy like that? You know what he said? He goes, I want to help football. No doubt. He no said, doubt. I want football to be better. And, you know, he might teach me something. I might teach him something. So, first of all, tell me what you thought when he invited you to be with these 20 or 25 pass rushers around Uh, the NFL at Stanford one day in June to have a little pass rush
1: summit. Uh First off, I I really didn't know if it was uh, a pass rush summit for us or for a group of, like, college and, and high school kids. So why did you go? I went to support that. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah. and and, 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 I, and when I got there I'm like, Where where all the kids at? He was like, Bro, it's just us. <laughs> I am like, Oh man, well luckily I got my I got my kleese in the trunk, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking I'm coming out here just to teach, you know what I'm saying? But the way he broke it down, he wanted us to come and all all learn from each other, you know what I'm saying? And I thought it was pretty cool, man. He was like, Man, the, the guys in the NBA do it all the time. He was like, So why why can't we do it? You know what I'm saying? and as pass rushers uh you know it's hard out here in these streets and in, the, in, the, in, the, in that pass rushing and doing all those different things when you get all these double teams and all these different things so it, it only made sense for us to come together and, and learn from one another and,
0: how many of those guys did you know cliff averill vic beasley did you know many I, I, I mean, of those guys I mean,
1: personally I, no i don't know i don't know many of them at all uh ran in the a few times you know i played been playing against them since i first got in the league but uh you know uh, all the other guys that were there. Uh I didn't know m- too many of them. Uh, to be real with you uh but I got to know them when I was there and it was it was a, it was a good time, man. Yeah.
0: Time. What do you think you learned that day? Uh, the uh, you know oh, man, both got... both on the field and you were in the film room for a yeah, while. Yeah, for huh? sure.
1: That's that's the biggest part. That's the biggest part I took away from it, man. when you think about being in the film room with the Marcus Ware. Uh, it was like, okay. You sure you want to tell me these things, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it was fun, man. It was fun just knowing the way he broke down the game. And it made it that much more easier for me. You know what I'm saying? And um, I I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed that process very very much.
0: You know, one of the things he said was that he just wanted to hear from a lot of players about tendencies. Yeah. And about uh, just like you were talking before, you want to make sure that – you know, you can't be figured out. Exactly. Okay, so so how much of your game really is that? You talk about that, but to the average fan out there who's listening to you right now, why is it important that the right tackle doesn't know exactly what you're going to do?
1: I mean, it's very important when you think about uh, a certain move that you love to use. Uh, if you're too tight, uh, when you use it every time, you know what I'm saying? They're gonna pick up on it if, they, if you line up tight. If you use a move and you line up tight, and you use that move every time you line up tight, they're gonna know that move is gonna come. You know what I'm saying? A great, a good, a good offensive lineman is gonna figure out uh, that that tendency very quickly. You know what I'm saying? Depending on the down and distance, depending on if it's pass or run, uh, all those different things, and so. It's kind of important for you not to give up too many of those tendencies you know what I'm saying what
0: do you think this off season you've really tried to work on to make your game a little better? a specific move or just knowledge? What would
1: you say I mean it's a, it's a combination of both uh moves and knowledge uh, when you think about going to a a summer with all those all those pass rushers, you learn different moves. you know what I'm saying you learn things that you weren't really even thinking about uh and there was a few moves that I learned there. You know what I'm saying? But it's also a lot of knowledge that I gained, you know what I'm saying, from a lot of those guys as well. But not only that, from myself and and just knowing what I could get better at. Do you think that being a pass rusher is,
0: I don't know, whatever percent, 20, 30, 40 percent mental, where... You know what you want to do, but you want to make sure that the tackle doesn't know what you're going
1: to do? No. I would say it's 10% mental Uh, when you think about pass rushing. 90% of it is is effort, I feel like. 10% is is physical. Well, no, 10% is mental, and 90% is effort and getting off on the ball and just knowing that you got to beat this dude in front of you no matter what. You know what I'm saying? It's just a sheer will to beat the guy in front of you, and if it's happened to be two guys beating two of them, and it happened to be three guys beating three of them, you know what I'm saying? It's that kind of physical nastiness that you have to have as a, as a pass rusher.
0: Has your early success in the NFL surprised you at all? Thirty sacks in your first three years—that's a lot.
1: I, I I feel like it's not. You know what I'm saying? That's that's my mindset. Uh, I I wouldn't know what. A, a, you know what I mean? That would be to have. I wouldn't even be thinking about me being successful. So I feel like I can be a lot better for my team. You know what I'm saying? And I come out here every day and give my all and try to put In the, other words,
0: you don't say, hey man, I got 30 sacks the first three years. Yeah, That's pretty good.
1: Not at all. Not at all. That's not even close to my mindset. Uh, my mindset would be more of can I get 30 this year, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> in in that, a year. In a year, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and that's the goal, man. You always want to set goals for yourself to get better and strive. And, and and when you fulfill them, then you can kind of lay back and be like, I did that. But at the same time, it's a mindset of, okay, I can do better than that. You know what I'm saying? And, and when it, when you lose that, it's, it's time to hang it up, man. I feel like once you lose that hunger, it's, it's time to hang it up. And I, I don't want to lose that, so it's always going to be there.
0: Do you think it's going to be different for you this year with everybody saying, hey, here comes Khalil Mack, the Defensive Player of the Year? You know, it's not like anybody didn't think you were really good before, <laughs> but now you're every tackle's biggest day, yeah, you know, when they no play. Doubt. So you're going to get chipped more probably. Oh, you're going to – I
1: mean, so what is that going to be like for you? Oh, man, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. I love it. I love it, man. I um, like I told you before whether it's one one guy or two a chip uh you got to make it worthwhile man you got to make it worthwhile and, and do whatever you can to get to that quarterback and that's my mindset that has always there's always been my mindset even if I didn't know what I was doing I was going to try to make sure I did, did whatever it took to get to the quarterback and uh that's always going to be part of me
0: I was talking to one of your teammates before and they said they're impressed that you continue to seek excellence that You're not happy with where you are right now. So where does that part of your personality come from? Uh, you know when you're growing
1: up, I mean, no, no. where do you learn that? I mean, I learned it from my father my father and my mother uh, Just being disciplined throughout my whole life man. Um, just knowing that knowing that uh, it's not what happens to you It's how you handle it uh, even when it's success You know what I'm saying? You got to dig deep and and keep grinding. Um, Even when it's hard times, you got to dig deep and keep grinding um, and pray and and focus on what it is that you want to ultimately end up doing. And that's, for me, I know for sure that I want to be one of the best to ever play.
0: You want to wear a gold jacket in Canton one day?
1: Why not? Why not? Why not want to do that? that's 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 the, what the best do, you know what I'm saying? Not only that, I you want to win the win the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? And um that's all I want to do to be able to put my team in a position to win a Super Bowl, man. That's that's what you see every time you watch me. Uh I'm trying to do everything I can to help my team, you know what I'm saying? And I'm sure everybody feels the same way I do on this team. And that's ultimately what you want as a team, from a team. You know what I'm saying? You want everybody focused on one thing and striving to achieve one goal. You know what I'm saying? And that's it. Finishing up with Khalil Mack. Uh,
0: So last year, um, we also spoke a little bit about this before we started. You um, graced the cover of Sports Illustrated in the first week of the season. Yeah uh little khalil mack from fort pierce florida fort pierce, and university florida. of buffalo yes sir yes sir mid-american conference is on the cover of sports <laughs> illustrated wearing a mmqb t-shirt and just sort of busting out yeah. and i wondered a what you think when you saw yourself on the cover of sports illustrated and b how many times have you had to sign it
1: man <laughs> A, we're gonna start with a uh of course i was I, I was oh man i was overjoyed man god is so good uh like you said fort pierce florida man um small town um everybody man everybody was was hyped when they would be in walmart or or, or k or wherever and and see me on a cover of of a, of a sports illustrator magazine it's, it was it was surreal man and um you talked about signing it i <coughs> I had to kind of shy away from signing them. So my dad. I feel like my dad went and got some kind of way went and got like 50 some kind of way. He could he went to probably like five different stores to get 50 of them. And um and and had me sign all of them. I'm like, "Okay, okay. This side, this is going to be. I did not know I didn't know it was going to be like this." Then, he's your father. You got to exactly, sign. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then you got everybody else that that it was it was it, I I have no clue how many of them. I probably signed over 1000 of them easily. Wow. easily
0: well you'll probably be on the cover a few more times in your life uh yeah it's really it's really been good to get to know you a little bit because no, no, no. in my job one of the things i really like about the people who i cover and write about is i appreciate the guys who it's really important to no, who want to be great no, no. who are not just here either for a paycheck no, or anything else no, no, you You legitimately, my conversations with you, greatness is really important to
1: you. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Always has, always will be. Khalil Mack, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much, Peter. This is the MMQB
2: Podcast.
0: I want to ask my listeners a quick question. How would you like to get three home-cooked meals for free? Meals like meatball pizza and fresh mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes. Well, all you have to do is remember these four letters, MMQB. That's easy enough, right? Now keep listening, and I'll tell you how to get those free meals. Look, we all know there's nothing better than a great home-cooked meal, and no one makes it easier for you to do that than Blue Apron. Their mission, make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals so they set the highest quality standards for their suppliers and bring you only the best ingredients all right to your door. Customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. Blue Apron has several delivery options so you can choose what fits your needs. And there's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. And now comes that part about the three free meals I was telling you about. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping, by going to blueapron.com mmqb. That's three meals free just by adding in mmqb. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Please don't wait. Once more, that's blueapron.com slash mmqb. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. Welcome back to the MMQB Podcast with Peter King. Uh, I'm here in Denver with Denver Broncos head coach, uh, Vance Joseph. Uh, and we're here in his office, and the one thing that that sort of impresses you when you talk a little bit to Vance Joseph is sort of the thoughtfulness, the care that he has taken. Uh, we spent some time this morning talking about how uh, he prepared his first speech to his team, the resource material he used and all that. And Vance, I think I want to start off by asking you about your influences yeah. and how you got to this point. I think a lot of people don't really know who Vance Joseph is. Right. And so give me a little, uh, a little resume look at what has made
2: you a head coach in the NFL right now. Fine. Uh, well, I played for the great Bill McCartney at uh, Colorado up in Boulder, and um, you know, Coach Mac was a guy of uh, of a great integrity and character. I mean, he was a truth teller. I mean, he was he was so honest with us that sometimes it was it was almost a joke or funny. But looking back on it, um, you know, we kind of enjoyed it. You know, we enjoyed the transparency that he he led us with, and. You know that's important. You know, play, players want to know exactly where they stand every day, and Coach Mack would coach us that way. And you know, when you're a young 18 year old guy, you have no clue why he's doing it. But again, looking back on it, it 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 was it was awesome. You know, I appreciated it. Um, you know, being around Mike Nolan. You know, that was the first NFL guy I was around in
0: in San Francisco. right? In San, right San on Francisco, his
2: absolutely. You know, Mike Mike kind of was my guideline to being an NFL coach. I had no clue. I was, a, I was a college coach. And when you're a college coach coming into the NFL, you have no clue what it looks like because everyone pays their players. Everyone uh, coaches effort. So you leave camp and you think, boy, we're pretty good. And then on Sundays you find out you're not that good you know so working in San Fran with Mike kind of taught me that hey man you know you have no idea what other teams are doing so you have to continually get better research um you know keep your guys sharp keep your guys getting better because you have no idea what other teams are doing so you know you show up on Sundays and you know you've had a great week and you get blown out of the water that's 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 hard so it's a it's a hard league um being around Mike Singletary, you know, for a couple of years in San Fran was, was, all, was also interesting because Mike, Mike is a great leader of men. You know, Mike Mike can move a room and, you know, guys would run through the wall for Mike. Um, you know, Mike was a great motivational speaker. And I think being a head coach, um, having that, that, that talent or acquiring that talent is important. You know, you have to be a guy that can push guys and motivate guys and, and get guys to go places that, you know, they don't want to go. You know, so Mike was really good at that and uh, leaving San Fran, getting with Gary Kubiak. You know, Gary was a huge influence on my in uh, Houston, in Houston, on my coaching career, because uh, Gary was the same guy every day. He was about work. He was uh, even kill. you know, through the good times and adverse times, Gary was the same guy. Um, and, and, And the players and coaches appreciated that. You know, you didn't, you didn't walk into a hornet's nest after a loss. And after a win, it wasn't, it wasn't Christmas. Um, that's, that's important. Uh, leaving Gary, going to uh, Cincinnati with Marvin Lewis, which, which was a, a treat for me. Obviously, Marvin's been there now 15 seasons. And, I mean, he's the model of longevity in this league. And you watch Marvin operate – It was it was with an old school manner. It was again about work, about doing things right, about respect. It was almost like being back in high school again. It it was it was the ABCs of football, um, scouting, game planning. Because our our staff in Cincinnati, you did it all. You had
0: to do it all. We did it all.
2: And and in my opinion, going to Cincy and being around Marvin and Mr. Brown and having a chance to evaluate. Uh, the draft and to pick your players in the draft, and to be around Coach Zim's system, that that made me a better coach. It made me a. Isn't better Isn't that coach. I want to interrupt?
0: Awesome. I want to interrupt you and ask you this because a lot of people over the years have kind of killed the Bengals because <laughs> they, uh, you know, hey, <clears throat> the scouts should be the scouts and the coaches should coach yeah. and everything like that. But I found over the years, like Paul Alexander always says. I want to scout the guys He's, uh, on, that I'm going to have on the offensive line. So, tell mm. me about that. Yeah. And even though it probably creates another layer of work, mm-hmm. when all you want to do is take a couple of weeks off after the season, right.
2: how, how, how is that? I tell you what, um, it, it's it's great for young coaches. You know, if if every young coach can work in Cincinnati, it would make you a better coach because you are directly responsible for your position. OK, you go out after the combine and you work out, guys, you have lunch with guys, dinner with guys and you meet with guys and you bring the info back to Mr. Brown. And on draft day, if we're taking a corner, he would look at me and say, hey, hey, VJ, which corner you want and tell me why. And the one you told him you want it, he would give you, you know, so that's that's an In my opinion, it made you be very, very detailed in your job. Traveling the country, making your own schedule, seeing seeing the guys, it made me a better coach. It made me appreciate um, having the ability to pick the right players for me. And you watch the Bengals drafts, guys. I mean, over the years, they rarely missed because the coaches were directly involved, and he allowed you to pick your players. So that place, in my opinion, made me a better coach. And then what about Miami? Miami was great, um, you know, being with uh, being with Adam GaSe and going into a place that had great tradition, but um, hadn't been in the playoffs in a long time, you know. So our our first goal was to kind of change the culture, you know, from a from a losing culture to a winning culture. It was a team full of full of talented players, you know, so we knew we could win, you know, but we knew it was going to be a hard road because culture is critical in this league because you're going to have adversity. And when it strikes, you know, how are you going to react? And it struck early. You know, we were were one and four early and we worked our way back and won nine straight. And, you know, kudos to Adam Gase. The process never changed. He never panicked. You know, we stayed with it. Even through the hard times in Miami, the players were in good spirits. The coaches were in good spirits. Everyone in Miami loved to come to work. So when it was broken, you know, we were all there to fix it. And that's important. Coaches, players, management with Mike Tannenbaum. No one ever panicked. No one ever pointed fingers. We knew we had enough players to win, but we didn't know when it was going to happen. You know, and you know, you know, we're, we're what one in uh, one in four, and Pittsburgh's coming to town. Wow, right? So you're thinking, okay, one in five, we beat Pittsburgh and we went nine straight. So that was a lesson of of trusting the process. You know, and. And having a culture of, of uh, again service and guys loving to come to work because you know we didn't have a bad day in Miami last year. It was fun because guys love to come to work.
0: So you get this job, and I've always thought it was very interesting when coaches transitioned from either position coaches or even coordinators to being a head coach and all the different things that you have to that you take on in the head coach's office. Mm-hmm specifically i wonder you w- could be able even as a defensive coordinator to have some sense of anonymity you probably could go out in miami or fort lauderdale right. have a nice dinner <laughs> yeah. and you know you go the whole night and nobody has any idea who you are yeah and so <clears throat> you come to denver where the Broncos are close to a religion, <laughs> and you're very familiar with it, having gone to school here, uh, and, and you know Colorado very well. You know what the Broncos mean. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you walk down the hall, and there's John Elway. Wow. And, you know, I just wonder, when you look at it right now, what? how do you describe <clears throat> the difference and the, the sort of unending attention there is when you're a head coach, specifically the head coach of this team?
2: It's definitely different. Um, you said it, you know, in Miami, I can go out with the family and the wife and have a dinner, and, you know, no one noticed. From time to time, someone would notice. But here in Denver, the Broncos are so huge that when I'm out with the family, you know, someone notices every time. And um, it's... Uh, it can be a good and a bad thing. You know, it's a good thing because we have great, we have great fan support here. You know, Bronco Country, uh, it's, it's been sold out here for like 42 years straight. So that, that's good you know, because they expect to win and, and they're going to support the team. And you know, that stadium's going to be, you know, sold out September 11th versus the Chargers. So that's a good thing. I think when it comes to uh, family, you know, you want some. You want some downtime from time to time. And f- for me, I'm okay with it. It's part of the job. You know, I signed up for it, but your family sometimes get frustrated, like like, like my son, like Dad, who's that? I'm like he's just a fan, son. <laughs> you know, my wife's like, okay, we just want a little private time. So, but I get it. Um, it's definitely different, especially here in Denver, because it's a it's a it's a big deal here. But you know, I you know, I've I've embraced that, and I'm okay with the fans saying hi and wanting pictures, and it, it's it's five ten seconds, and it goes away. So, you know. Uh, it has not been overwhelming, but it's it's definitely different.
0: I've watched a lot of people over the years, you know, try to deal with that aspect of this life. Yeah. I, I, recently, I watched Larry Fitzgerald on a golf course. And for Larry, he's a golf addict. Okay. And what's what was so interesting is that even though Larry wanted to play 18 holes of golf and he wanted not to be Larry Fitzgerald, right. he wanted to be just John Doe, <laughs> he couldn't be. Right. You know, it's impossible. So I would say 12 to 15 times in 18 holes in, in four hours, you know, somebody would come up and walk across the fairway. Can we have a picture? And he would do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I. And the amazing thing is, at the end of it, I just mentioned it to him, and he goes, oh, that's just that's just the way it is. It's part of that's it. That's just the way it is. Right. And, you know, I've seen other guys, oh, will you please leave me alone? Yeah. But, but, the, you know, when you're in this job, I think that part of the job is having to be kind of always on to some degree. Yes. You know, and, <laughs> and you just really can't avoid that part of it. You right.
2: Know? You can't. And, um, you know, and... You know, how do you, how, how do you say no to a fan, you know, who wants to say hi to you, who wants a picture with you? How do you, how do you say no to that? You know, but the part about being on all the time, you know, that's, that's, that's different because now I'm aware of like, you know, if I'm going to the store with my kid, you know, what I'm wearing, uh, you know, if, if I'm wearing this T-shirt or this hat or <laughs> I'm wearing my flip flops, you know, you know, you, you kind of think twice about what you're wearing leaving the house now. Years ago, I wouldn't care. I would go out at my flip-flops and my T-shirt and my hat turned to the back and, you know, relaxing. But now, it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like aware of what I'm wearing. You yeah. know, you don't want certain perceptions to be out there about, you know, you know, who you are. But and that's just the reality of it. This is the MNQB Podcast. MNQB Podcast.
0: Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ziprecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ziprecruiter.com slash mmqb that's ziprecruiter.com slash mmqb one more time folks it's free go to ziprecruiter.com slash mmqb so i want to ask you about sort of being a head coach especially in a division where you've got some very interesting challenges. If you look at Kansas City, you've got Andy Reid, who's been a head coach for almost two decades. Sure. Uh, you look at Jack Del Rio, long-time coordinator, long-time head coach. Sure. You look at San Diego, and even though Anthony mm-hmm. Lynn is a rookie, um, Philip Rivers has been there for 100 years. Right. So Ken Wisen on everything. And so I, I just – I wonder – you're in a pretty formidable division. Right. You you know, every one of those six games, people can look at the Chargers and say, "Ah, oh, they're no good." <laughs> Chargers got Melvin Ingram and Bosa, and they got Philip Rivers, and they got Keenan Allen. They do. They're going to beat somebody 30 to 3 this year. Maybe two or three teams, but but anyway, so Tell me how you look at your division, particularly the challenges you face right. in some of the people who you've been watching for a long time. Do this
2: absolutely. It's it, it's definitely a tough division. You know, you've got you've got all four teams that are capable of making the playoffs. I mean, you said it, and you know, with the Chargers with Philip Rivers, every game he plays, he can win. Sometimes we forget how good he is. You know, and, and what he's done there. I mean, when you're playing Philip Rivers, it's like playing Tom Brady and Matt and Matt Ryan and Peyton. All those guys. I mean, he's he's a great quarterback who you're not going to confuse with scheme. You know, you got to go out and beat Philip because uh, mentally he's going to be on par. Um, you know, in K- in KC with with Andy Reid, he's always had uh, very sound, tough football team. So they're always going to be a tough out. They won't beat themselves. They're going to do things right. They're gonna always have good, uh, you know, good scheme. You know, you know each Sunday um, down in Oakland. I mean, that's a that's an explosive young team on both sides of the ball with that quarterback and those two receivers, and uh, you know, with Khalil Mack, you know, who's comparable to Von Miller, you know, in this league as as one and two as the best players in the league. You know, along with, with with Watt, who I was with in Houston. So it's a tough division. You know, obviously with Andy's experience and Jack's experience, um, you know, it makes it tough for me as a first time head coach. But when I was hired, you know, my, my first priority was to acquire the best staff I could. And I knew as a, as a young head coach, I wanted to go out and get guys with experience and guys who, you know, who've won games in this league. And so my first call offensively was Mike McCoy. I knew having Mike was going to be a big deal because I knew Mike, Knew how to win. Mike was here before, so he understood the culture of the Broncos. He's coached a lot of young quarterbacks, so I knew having Mike was critical. Then we fell into uh, Bill Musgrave's. You know that was that was a surprise. I was lucky there. Again, a guy who's coached young quarterbacks who called plays for Oakland last year in the playoffs. Jeep Chris, who's been a coordinator in this league. You know, so between Mike, Bill, Jeep Chris, uh, Jeff Davison. You know, uh, who was a QC in this. Uh, I mean, O.C. in this league uh, four or five years ago in Minnesota, um, you know, Studersville and Tyke Tolbert. So offensively, I've, I've got a you hell really of a You really got a veteran staff. Absolutely, and yeah. I wanted a veteran staff. I didn't want to be a young coach that went out and hired a bunch of young guys because I was comfortable leading young guys. I wanted the best guys I could find, older or younger, and I wasn't worried about the age or, 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 you know, my age versus those guys age i want the best guys i can find
0: you know speaking of your staff when i saw mike tomlin at the league meetings this year i said we were just talking about a bunch of things and he brought it up himself Mm -hmm. he said you know what i'm really happy for joe davis and Mm -hmm. how uh finally he's going to get his shot to be a coordinator and he said he is a really, he said, he's going to be a head coach in this league. Absolutely, he is. So, give me your view on how you chose your defensive coordinator.
2: Well, uh, you know, I've known I've known Joe for a long time, um, just just through Mike Tomlin and you know, through Raheem Morris and uh, all those guys. So, when um, three years ago I interviewed for this job, and I was going to be Gary Kubiak's defense coordinator, so I called Joe, who was in who was in uh, Oakland, and to be my defensive backs coach. So, you know, I was going through contract things there with Cincinnati versus Denver. So I had Coach Kubiak, uh, you know, basically hired Joe before I got here because I knew Joe was a special defensive backs coach. I work with Reggie Herring in Houston and Bill Kolar in Houston. So those guys were already here coming with uh, Coop. But um, when the job was offered to me, you know, I knew I knew Wade was a free agent and Wade wanted to you know, kinda of make some moves and maybe go to LA with uh with Sean. So I knew that. And you know, Joe was the obvious candidate because in my opinion in this league, it's a it's a pass driven league. And to have a guy who understands the back end, you know, who's who's coached this secondary, who's been the top in the league for the last two years, that was important. To have a guy who had defensive backs, secondary coverage knowledge, because that's where it starts in my opinion now. You know, to call plays and to coordinate in this league, you, you have to understand how to put the concepts that are hurting you to rest. And I knew Joe had that ability. Plus, he's coached uh, the back end here who was the heart and soul of this defense, Tlaib and Chris Harris and those guys and T.J. Ward and Darren Stewart. They all have been to the Pro Bowl one time under Joe. Um, so from a respect um, portion, you know, that was already established with his guys from a knowledge perspective. He's a sharp guy, and you know he was already here. And I knew Reggie Herring, like like a Musgraves and a Jeep Chris and Bill Kolar would support Joe. Mm-hmm. Being a first-time coordinator, having those guys behind him, he can't lose. Finishing up with
0: Vance Joseph. So the last thing I wanted to ask you um, is a little bit about Von Miller. Yes. So Von Miller strikes me as kind of a, probably a fun guy to have around yes okay but i don't know very much about his sort of seriousness of purpose or whatever as sort of whether he's much of a student of football mm-hmm. in your exposure right now to von miller tell me what your impression of him has been so far and why do you think he's as good as he is
2: mm-hmm. well um, being around von in the last couple of months you know my my first take would be he's a worker. He works at it, lifting, running, um, you know, certain, certain movements, stuff with his body. Um, he, loves, he loves being Von Miller. He loves being the best player in the league. That's where I go back to being, you know, having some selfishness versus selflessness. I mean, he wants to be Von Miller and him being the best Von Miller he can be helps us win. So it's important for Von to be the best. So he works at it. Um, his football IQ is very, very high, you know. He studies a lot of pass rushers, a lot of tackles he goes against. I mean, I mean he's going to have a guy down pat on game day. So it's not just out there. Uh, he's just playing with speed and power. I mean, he's, he's playing with his brain. Um, Vaughn Von is a great leader. You know, you know Vaughn is a funny guy naturally. His teammates will follow him. They love to follow him because even though he's having a good time, it's, it's work. It's consistent action. So you watch him on the football field yesterday. He's dancing around and he's having a good time with the fans. But I mean, he's rushing the passer. He's chasing the ball. He's doing football things. So I think uh, you know Vaughn likes to likes the spotlight. You know, and that's you know most great players like the spotlight and they want to have a good time doing it. So on the football field, he's in his comfort zone and and he's being himself. And it's a it's a loose, funny guy. But off the field. He puts the work in, and his teammates do follow him, and he wants to be the leader of this team, obviously being with DeMarcus Ware the last couple years and following his lead. He's learned how to be a great pro even more with DeMarcus, and he wants to be the leader of this football team.
0: You know, last thing I'll ask you, rightfully so, everyone talks about the 2017 Broncos and brings up the quarterback, and and the quarterback's going to have to play well and all that, and I get (laughs) it. But in my opinion, in this division, unless you protect the outside, unless you protect and your left and right tackles uh, can fan out and make sure that Justin Houston and Bosa and Ingram and Man. Mack don't destroy the game, you, it doesn't matter if you have Peyton Manning or Tom Brady back there, they're going to get destroyed. doesn't matter. So... As you look at your team, and I know it's early, but as you look at your team, how do you think you'll be
2: at the tackle position and protecting your quarterback? Right. I said this yesterday, Peter, to the local media here. I said, the quarterback deal, it's it's a big deal, obviously. I said, but until we protect the passer better, until we run the football better, it won't matter who's playing the position because they won't be successful. In this division, you have to block the edge rushers. So, drafting Garrett Bowles from Utah was was a must. Um, acquiring uh, Menelik Watson from Oakland, it was a must because you have to be able to block the edge rushers in this division. If you can't, you can't win. They will wreck the game. Outside of that, schematically, you have to have a plan for not allowing those guys to wreck the game. So, you know, we're hoping, obviously, Bowles is going to be a great player and Watson, but... But to block Khalil Mack one-on-one every down, that's not smarter. I mean, you can't do it. So from a coach's perspective and from a player's perspective, you've got to be on par to block to speed rushers. I totally agree with you. And, again, you know, we've got two good young quarterbacks. We can win with both guys. But playing great defense around them, running the football, blocking the edge, rushers, that's going to be critical also. You know what's – I'll end with this. What's
0: very interesting about Khalil Mack, I think, is – how smart he is relative to his experience level, and the fact that he didn't start playing football until very late in life. Right. And then he goes to the Mid American Conference. And, 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 and so, and I remember, and I forget who it was against, maybe Indianapolis, but he had a sack last year where, in the middle of the play, it looked like he just stopped and gave up on the play. And so the tackle just stopped. And Khalil Mack looked like he was shot out of a cannon, and he went and caught the quarterback from behind (laughs) and sacked him. And I said, that was brilliant. It was in the middle of a play he threw a change up Mm -hmm. at the tackle. I said, that is really, really a smart play by a young player who you don't think has the pedigree to know something like that. Right. I don't know. He's pretty good. He's a great player. Yeah. Vance Joseph, uh, I really wish you the best this year. And, you know, over the years coming to Denver, uh, I always, when I land at the airport, I'm always kind of excited to come here because I love going to places in the NFL where it's important and where people care. Right. And I don't care if the Broncos are, are not having a great season. You come here in November and people care. Absolutely. You come here in December and people care. I'll never forget at the old Mile High, uh, being on the field late in the game, and it was a playoff game. I forget against who. It was a playoff game, two-minute warning, and people are stamping their feet, you know, on the old metal bleachers, mm-hmm. and the ground is shaking. You know the the ground out on the field (laughs) is shaking, and I said that's that's how much people care. They can create a small earthquake here, no doubt. And uh, so you're in a you're in a good spot, and I wish you the best.
2: Thank you, buddy, for having me. It's awesome. You're listening to the MMQB podcast.
0: My thanks to my guests this week, Khalil Mack and Vance Joseph. You know, before we go out, just two or three points about being on the road and seeing what is going on with teams that I'm not quite sure that it would, I'd say it surprises me, but it very much interested me in this first week. I think the one thing is that the young coaches out there right now, and I'm going to talk for a minute about Sean McVay of the Los Angeles Rams, Now, Sean McVay was running the drills for the quarterbacks. You don't often see head coaches running individual drills. He was doing that. I find it really interesting that he felt uh, that he wanted to be so hands-on that he's doing all the small stuff in Rams camp. And, of course, his future and the future of a lot of people in that organization, general manager Les Snead, among them, is really going to depend on how their young quarterback, Jared Goff, plays. The day I saw him on Saturday in Irvine, California, was not overly impressed with golf. didn't have a great day, a great accurate day, and I think it's going to come down to accuracy for Jared Goff. You know, six miles away on Sunday, I saw the San Diego Chargers, and it's so bizarre that for 21 years, there's no NFL franchise you know, in greater Los Angeles. Uh, or in the LA Orange County area. I know people in Orange County get angry when, when they talk about them uh, as being uh, you, you know part of Los Angeles. But it's so funny right now to see that there are two teams in Orange County training quite literally six and a half miles apart from each other. One in Irvine on the campus of University of California at Irvine, and then the other one uh, in a converted public park uh, in Costa Mesa, California, which is right where uh, you know the Chargers plan to have their practice facility. It was I thought it was really really interesting that the Chargers it seems to me have handled the move so far better than the Rams handled it a year ago. Not that the Rams had a lot of choices. They were moving halfway across the country. The Chargers are moving 80 miles up the highway from San Diego. And so we'll see how it impacts how they play. But I, I thought one of the interesting things that they did is they had their entire off-season program back in San Diego. So even though the fans, there are really unhappy with them, they said, look, it's more important for our team to be intact and not living in a hotel for three or four months. So we, uh, we want to have everything in San Diego. And so now... The players and the staff, a lot of them in the month they had off, basically a lot of them moved up uh, to the Orange County area. General Manager Tom Telesco, a bunch of the players did that. It'll be interesting to see. There's going to be one person, I wrote about this the other day in Monday Morning Quarterback, Phillip Rivers has decided for now to stay in San Diego with his wife and eight children and commute every day Uh, About, you know, I I estimate it's about 71 miles. It might be a little bit more than that. But you're driving 71 miles each day, each way, each day. I think, uh, you know, it's no, no secret that could become an issue at some point. Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, did tell me he was a little concerned with that. Finally, you know, one last point. Being in Seattle on Tuesday, you know, as I record this, so interesting to see different ways teams play, different ways teams prepare. For instance, this was a very chippy practice that I saw on Tuesday. In fact, there were two fights during practice. And very rarely now when I go around to see teams in training camp, very rarely do you have fights. But I think uh, Pete Carroll, as Russell Wilson told me, he says, hey, we, we go right to the edge of the cliff and we sort of stare off. Uh, down and say, have we pushed this far enough? And I think that is something that Pete Carroll over the year, that's been his trademark. And everybody said, man, what are you doing fighting on August 1st? And I think uh, Pete Carroll's whole point is, look, we don't want him to fight, but we want everybody to know on that team that our defense is going to do everything humanly possible uh, to beat the offense and vice versa. And it should matter. It should be important to you. So. The emotion for an August 1st practice, to me, uh, I don't know what exactly to draw from that, but I certainly didn't draw anything negative from it. To me, this is a Seattle team that uh, seems to me, anyway, to be uh, trying to rev up a veteran roster, a largely veteran roster, to make one more strong playoff run. Thanks to my guests, Khalil Mack and Vance Joseph. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in the MMQB series, such as my conversations with Tom Brady, Adam Schefter, and Bruce Arians. You can find these on the MMQB.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And Don't forget to leave a review while you're there. You can also hear the MMQB podcast with Peter King, on Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 82. Thanks to the folks at Digital Media for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsors, Blue Apron and Zip Recruiter. Please support them the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you from the road next week.